Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Adam Sharp. Adam is president and CEO of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Adam runs the New York-based institution that administers Emmy Awards for daytime shows, news and documentary productions, sports, and for local TV produced in markets that are organized into 20 regional chapters across the country. Basically, Natus hands out Emmys everywhere but Hollywood, which remains the province of the North Hollywood-based Television Academy. In our conversation, Sharp discusses in detail how Natus had to adapt to changing times after challenges were raised in 2018 to the fairness of the Daytime Emmy Awards submission and judging process. How Natus responded meant coming up with clear definitions for things that never had to be defined before the era of technology changing television, and it also forced the Academy to come up with uniform standards across its various awards groups. He also talks about warming relations between Natus and its West Coast counterpart. Adam Sharp, President and CEO of the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences. Thank you so much for stopping by. Of course. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about what Natus does. I don't think its profile in the broader television community is as big as the West Coast counterpart now called just the Television Academy. Mm -hmm. Give us a sense of kind of what your charter and mission is. So the core mission is to foster and recognize excellence in television in all its forms. And for us and our alignment with our two sister academies, you mentioned the Television Academy on the West Coast that does the primetime Emmys. We have another sister academy, the International Academy, that does the international Emmys. Right. And then our academy recognizes excellence in daytime programming, sports, news and documentary programming, technology and engineering. And then we also have 19 regional chapters around the country who honor excellence in local and regional programming. So your local newscast, coverage of local sporting events, and and so on. And so it's a pretty big mandate, but between the three academies, we try to cast a wide net to recognize all the talent that's being produced and all their creativity in our industry. Let's talk a little more specifically about the daytime Emmys. I know that you had, there was a controversy, there was some conflict in the 2008, after the 2018 mm-hmm. competition. Some competitors raised some concerns about eligibility issues, the, the um, application and implementation of rules for submissions. I don't want to go onto the rabbit hole of down <laughs> how much of six seconds of content needed to be on screen. I know it got very, very specific. Mm-hmm. But tell me about, and that was a kind of a test for you as the leader because you were the interim head at that time. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you passed the test because you got the permanent <laughs> job. But tell me, when you had people... Raise- being sent home with a toaster, so... <laughs> Um, when you had people raising issues that you know could very clearly damage the integrity of the ward, how did what was kind of your first response? I think concern. Uh, certainly, when I look at our competition and I look at our award in particular, um, its value in the marketplace and to us as an organization far outstrips this thirteen-pound. Know, lump of mixed alloys dipped in a very thin coat of gold. Um, And 
the reason why people will spend the money to enter our competition, to attend our shows, to watch our shows, and so on, is not because of the object so much as what it represents. And for that value to be protected, the integrity of the process has to be sacrosanct. And so there is a big perception dynamic. And whether concerns are warranted or not doesn't even matter. If people have concerns, that devalues the the brand. And so that means every question that comes up has to be treated with equal seriousness uh, and not dismissed out of hand. And when we dug into some of the questions that had been raised, um, I think we found that many aspects of our internal processes uh, were flawed and in part had been established at a very different time in, in television and that with the growing competition, with the higher number of entries coming in, with the different types of, of media and different ways of, of storytelling coming in, that those processes didn't scale well to that. And so... Now I look back on that experience, which the the stories broke my first week as the interim CEO. So it was sort of a, be careful what you wish for, welcome to the new job. Uh, Now I look back on that time uh, with some degree of gratitude because it gave us an opportunity to really peel back the curtain and dig really deep into how we operate, ask serious questions and, and make fundamental changes in a much quicker, more aggressive way than perhaps we would have if we didn't have that spark, that catalyst kicking it off. You Um, had the impetus from people people questioning the validity of the process. Exactly. But even to to your point, and without going down the rabbit hole, uh, on one of the issues, one of the critical questions of eligibility in one case came down to how you define the word episode. Because one of our rules hinged on that question, the number of of episodes. And for our 45-year history leading up to that point, that probably was never in doubt. But now when you have these different distribution mechanisms and you have content being packaged differently for mobile versus the big screen, for the subscription distribution versus the transactional distribution and, and so on, it now actually becomes a debatable point in in some cases. And while we uh, uh, didn't want to, uh, in in subsequent year, this year, we made a much clearer definition that uh, was more in line with the current industry. Uh, I think we looked at that and said, well, there, there is room to disagree because this definition is not necessarily the same as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And you said that the, the process for daytime also kind of made you take a hard look at your other awards books, you know, the very phone book thick books, I'm sure, of yeah. rules and procedures, but kind of made you look at all those in a 2019, if not 2020, lens exactly. for how to, how to interpret these things. Exactly. And so what we found were... Um, uh, these initial questions that were raised were obviously very specific to one entry in one category in one competition. But once we started digging into the foundational issues behind them, 
we started seeing opportunities for change across the organization. And so we have now made a consolidated rule book so that we have a certain number of core rules that are same across daytime sports and news and doc, whereas they were all independent before. We have realigned our team, so instead of having these units where one team would manage both the competition and the production of the show, um, where that uh, created challenges that you either were getting a late start on getting ready for the show or you're taking your eye off the ball during a certain point in the competition to go focus on the show, neither of which is a good choice. We've now moved to a model where we have awards administration teams for each competition and then a separate production team responsible for all the shows that is not involved in the awards adjudication. Um, we've gone through and added a far more detailed glossary to all our rules, trying to get to those definitional points. We've created more engagement with the community to get their feedback and involvement. We've started doing webinars during the competition process so people can ask questions. And then at the end of it, we are the only uh, awards competition, at least at, at our level, that now publishes at the end of each competition a transparency report. Uh, and in that report, we identify every bump in the road, Every time someone along the way uh, asked for an exception to the rules or we had to reinterpret something because someone says, okay, I have this show that's a little different that doesn't fall neatly into one of these boxes, or we had to break a tie or disqualify a ballot because of irregularities. Um, all these types of things that used to take place completely behind the curtain, um, we now actually publish so people can see how these decisions happened and understand those underlying uh, discussions that led to them. Did you and so 2019 earlier this year in the spring was was you rolled out this process how did it how did it go were there any hiccups were did people were there any bad reactions to some of the new procedures? No, I think it was largely very well received. I mean certainly um, like with any other year, we had people who had exceptions they wanted that were rejected. They, you had people who challenged certain nominations and that where we uh, allowed those nominations to stand and then they were disappointed. Um, but I think when you look through the transparency report and see the outline of how we reached those determinations, that actually went a long way to building community confidence and understanding in it, because it did not seem as perhaps arbitrary or capricious as in years past, where those same decisions may have been reached, but it was just some pronouncement being handed down from on high. Right, and they weren't articulated as to the, as exactly. to the reasoning. And so I think by being more transparent uh, with, with the community, uh, even if not everyone agrees with us all the time, they at least, we hope, have a greater trust in the process and the mechanism by which the, uh, the decision was reached. And I think culturally right now, there is this greater desire across all institutions, not just ours, for transparency. Transparency is the watchword, for yes, sure. And accountability uh, and, and so on. And, and perhaps the more insular nation, insular uh, form of these awards shows in years past 
maybe past their time, and I think we've adapted quite well in the last year. How um, how do you guys handle the final judging process of, like, say, the Daytime Emmy Awards? Mm-hmm. Is it people in a room watching video, or do you do it online now? Mm-hmm. There's been uh, you know there's been a big sea change in the in the the whole process of final judging for big award shows mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And this is an area where we are a little bit different than than a lot of shows. Um, every one of our categories are done by panels of judges. So uh, unlike, for example, the Primetime Emmys or, or the Oscars, where a ballot will go out to a, the entire community uh, to, to vote, and you'll see for your consideration campaigns and screeners and so on and so forth, for us, the determination is made by a small group of, of judges, uh, usually anywhere from 20 to 50, depending on how big the, the category is, who watch the entries online and vote online and are required to watch every entry in its entirety. Uh, in fact, they are not, the button doesn't light up for them to submit their ballot until the player can detect that they have watched it through. And we think that gives a real opportunity for new players in the space in particular because a independent producer submitting for the first time going up against a industry lion who's been in the competition for years are going to get the same fair shake from the judges. Do you use that same process for the news and sports Emmy Awards as well? Yes. So our process for all three of our shows is the same, daytime, sports, and news and documentary. So they are all uh, fully online, with the exception of a couple of categories that do live judging, largely for technical reasons. So categories that have a large amount of VR or AR content now will do that in person and invite the producers to come in so that they can specify the hardware it is being experienced on and make sure that their content is being seen in the best light. For some animation categories, uh, we let people bring in their storyboards and everything else, so there's more of a tactile uh, part of that. But for the vast majority of our categories across all the competitions, it is that panel judging online with substantial or 100% playthrough required. And how do you how do you assemble the judging panels? So that's probably one of the biggest challenges of our team. Uh, If you look across our three competitions, there's close to 2,000 judges recruited every year. And we are looking for expertise in a particular area that they're going to judge. So working professionals who work in that field. So if this is an acting category, other actors. If it is an editing category, other editors. But then on the flip side, you want to avoid conflicts of interest. So you cannot be judging something you worked on or or your show. And so that winds up sometimes going outside our immediate community. So you'll see people who work in primetime television voting in, in daytime, some people in sports voting in news and vice versa, if that particular craft is somewhat similar between the, the disciplines. Uh, This year, in some of our uh, daytime categories, we made a partnership with our friends on the West Coast at the Television Academy so that those categories will be exclusively judged by Academy members, and we'll be working with them to recruit judges for that. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, What, for the last couple of years, for a bunch of years, certainly predating your tenure, the daytime Emmys have been a TV award show that has not 
been on old-fashioned TV, <laughs> linear TV anyway, in a live format as as we're so used to award shows and as the daytime Emmys aired for years. What is the hurdle to getting a, to getting a TV deal? Because it has been a live stream in the last couple of years. Well, I think first the, the historical piece, and then I'll talk about where we are today. Um, if you look back at the daytime Emmys in 1980s, early 90s, you had many more soap operas on the air. That was the main focus of the telecast it, itself. But more importantly, you had a greater percentage of daytime programming on the networks actually owned by the networks. When a lot of those soaps went away, on most stations, that time got replaced by syndicated programming. And so back in the day, the networks were all very motivated to carry the, the broadcast because it was promoting their own programming. Now, the bulk of the programming that's being honored is not produced by those networks. It's being produced by syndicators uh, and so on. So there's a little bit less of, of that interest. In the last few years, we have gone to where the audience has been going, by and large, getting more and more of their content online. Uh, last year, in streaming on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and our website, we had about 2 million unique viewers, which is still just a fraction of what you would see for the Oscars, the primetime Emmys, or, or Globes, for example. But uh, it also made us the only uh, major award show to actually be posting audience growth year over year for the last three years. And so we, we do see a positive trend in that uh, area where fans do want to tune into it and are finding it. And I think next year you will see some um, new investments from us to make the show more accessible and uh, our continuing conversations about if there are aspects of the weekend, we're now a three-night event, that can get on broadcast television. And so at this point, I am very confident that uh, come June 2020, you will be able to watch some, if not all, of the 2020 Daytime Emmys on a television set in your living room. But but still still streamed or do you are you saying that you feel like that there's a good chance that you will have a, a more traditional license deal with an outlet? We are continuing conversations with networks and looking at OTT opportunities. Um, but where we sit right now, all we can say is that by June 2020, we're pretty confident you'll be able to watch it on the TV set in your living room. <laughs> For as long as I have been covering television, which is a long time, there has been speculation about an eventual reunification of the New York-based National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences and the North Hollywood-based Television Academy. Do you see any potential for that on the horizon? It sounds like the two organizations are working together more, which when I first started, it was the, the level of hostility between these <laughs> the two groups was they didn't even try to hide it. It seems like a much more cordial environment. But is there anything that would that you see on the horizon that could bring you together, or do you like the, the setup as it stands now? Well, I don't think anyone is talking right now about the reunification of the organizations in sort of that corporate sense, but there is certainly a reunification of mission and purpose uh, that is well underway and something that is a departure from some of those troubles of, of the past. I was just out in L.A. last week and spent the majority of the time with counterparts from the, the Television Academy. We coordinate 
on this year's daytime Emmys in assembling our judging panels and so on. We coordinated on some of the category adjustments and, and changes we made in this year's competition, even making some tweaks to what programs fall under primetime or, or daytime now that the clock isn't as clear a predictor of that as it, as it used to be. And so I think... We still have pretty clearly defined lanes in news, sports, uh, primetime, daytime, etc. And there's certainly more than enough work to go around. But the fact that we are talking and collaborating and marching forward on several different initiatives, I think, is very positive for the relationship and for the community. Well, we will stay tuned on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, tell me, because I do want to recognize that Natus does represent a lot of television production that happens in local markets from the Midwest to the Southwest. And again, as I said, basically, there's maybe a 30-mile radius around (laughs) North Hollywood where you are not allowed to give an award. But beyond that, what is, in the last year or so, what, what is one of the coolest pieces of content, whether it was a news report or a sports or entertainment, Something really that impressed you that came out of the truly grassroots, the local, local market. Anything stand out to you? Oh, wow. Uh, There is so much to to pick from, and I get to go to a lot of the chapter galas and their award shows. And every time I go to one, I come away saying, oh, my goodness, that was better than the last. And uh, look at that, that segment. I think... Rather than one specific piece, what I will say I continue to be reminded of and impressed by is the role our TV stations and TV producers, and this is not just local but but national as well, play in our communities and daily life. And on the national level, that is the evening news and having the soap on during the day and the programming we honor is rather intimate because for the most part what we're honoring is not that lean back with the the bucket of popcorn on the couch but it is what you have on at the dinner table it is what you have on on the kitchen counter it's what in the morning when you're just trying to decide what to wear exactly it's telling you are you going to need an umbrella Are you going to have to evacuate? Are your kids going to a good school? Most Americans start their day watching one of our members and end their day watching one of our our members. And so when I go to our regional galas, what always impresses me is the deep community connection uh, of our members there and of these local news organizations, where particularly in times of crisis... When you see uh, a hurricane or a tornado or not too long ago, I was at our Northwest Chapter Emmys and one of their Golden Silver Circle honorees who this is essentially our Hall of Fame. Uh, The Golden Silver Circle are for recognizing 50 or 25 years respectively of work in our industry. And one of the honorees was an anchor from Alaska who had really been a clear source of comfort and leadership in the community in the wake of a horrible earthquake up there last year that had hit while he and his co-anchors were on the air. Um, And this was an anchor I had known as a reporter 
early in my career down in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And we, that night, had this conversation about now his being through now two of these experiences of the role of the local broadcaster in being that voice of both comfort and factual life-saving information in times of crisis. And so while not one piece specifically, I think that is a theme that every time I go to one of our chapters, I'm reminded by how important that connection to the viewer and the community is. And the importance of that urgency cannot be overstated. The the importance of people turning to television when the weather is going crazy, when you don't know why sirens are going off on the black, the the fact that people turn to broadcast TV or even radio nowadays is still, it's still got that, 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 that bond that you have just grown up with. You would never turn to Netflix to try to, to know what, you know, to know what, is blowing through your neighborhood in a, in a hurricane. Exactly. And in the world of fake news, disinformation, misinformation, so on and so forth, um, there is a lot of clickbait out there that can be fun to click on, fun to read, so on and so forth. But when you need to know, do I need to grab the go bag and get out of my house? Or pick up the kids because something yeah. horrible has happened. You, yeah. you want that person who is... Standing out there on your street, on the cell phone to the mayor's office with FEMA on hold <laughs> to get you that information you need in real, real time. Uh, a very distinguished GM once told me that all television is local, and I think that, that is true. Adam Sharp, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.